Lent needs to be a time where it's not you trying to prove how cool you are with your willpower. And it's not a Catholic version of a New Year's resolution. Like, I'm going to do this. this year. I'm going to do jazzercise every day. It is a time of purification. How do I begin to uproot and move and change my life so that I can really focus on God? Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I'm the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony. And today I am joined by our very own Winter Olympics representative, Michael Gormley. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Figure skating? Nope. Curling? Nope. Nope. Uh, That cross-country one where you ski and then you shoot things. My favorite. Yes. What is that called? What is that? I have no idea. I think it's a biathlon. Biathlon. Incredible combination of events. Have you been watching the Olympics? I saw some figure skating on Saturday night. I just watched that Russian phenom girl. I was like, this is incredible. This woman is insane. Shannon goes, girl, she's 15. And I was like, well, good Lord. 15, and I think gymnastics is the same way where somehow that's that's like all the best people at this sport are all between 15 and when i was 15 years old i think i just learned how to tie my shoes and <laughs> spinning in circles i'm crazy. still coming into my athletic prime you know i'm oh i'm, I, I I'm going on 30 so that's when i'm going to be hitting i'm looking for 2032 uh whatever wherever those olympics are see yeah. me there um <laughs> Don't know which I'm going to... Oh, look, there is Nate Hoffman, peak athlete, sitting in the stands. <laughs> he told us he'd be there, and Maybe there he color is. commentary. Maybe I'll do that. Ooh, but. that'd be nice. On a podcast. You know, you introduce us as the official St. Anthony of Padua podcast. Are there unofficial St. Anthony podcasts? A lot of fan podcasts. Oh, spinoffs and mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Un- unsolicited, but people are just out there doing their own commentary. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michael Gormley. <laughs> I'm self-important. <laughs> uh, we actually have other podcasts here at St. Anthony's, though. I mean, this so Beyond the Bulletin is the tour of the parish. We're just going to round up everything going on in the parish. Yeah. The On the same feed, you see the homilies every yes. week. And then we have yours, et cetera. Etc. with Mike Gormley. Et cetera with Mike Evangelization, Gormley. theology, and catechesis. Yeah. That's so. so funny. That's so funny. What is going on at the church right now? Do we have any... Can I ask you a question? I have, I have to ask you this question, and this is live on the spot. He has no idea I'm going to ask this. How's the organ donation going? How's it going? Or yeah. how did it go? Uh-oh. Did we wrap up all the donations for that? We did, yeah. We, we put that out there. Uh, I phrased it as organ donors needed on the <laughs> on the flock note which got a lot of uh, a lot of clicks um but yeah there, as you know there was a problem with the organ there was an electrical problem we asked for some donations we described the uh, the issue and we raised double the amount that we we needed for the organ and that's all just going to go into a fund a pool to help the whatever else comes up with that music ministry or the new new chapel music ministry everything in that sort of yeah. area so Thank you to everyone who participated in that. You'll hear, I heard the organ at Mass, it was two weekends ago already. That's nice. how quick they... They fixed it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But it's just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a 21-year-old organ. I can only imagine, as a as a homeowner, I'm coming into these oh, things that were like, it's the worst. like, we have rats, you know? You got to get rid of these rats. Mm-hmm. It's going to be X amount of dollars, and it's mm-hmm. suddenly everything is not like $20 anymore, no. you know? You just get to this point where everything is to yeah. three, four figures at to start. Yeah. 
But I can only imagine being a church owner. Like <laughs> the problems of a church. Whoever yeah. is the owner of this church, Father Jesse probably gets these bills, and it's like, yeah, you got it. You got rats in the organ. Yeah, just imagine a like problem. Like you, you have a house that's like ten thousand square feet, but it's just one giant room. And you got to air condition that sucker. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. Uh, so please donate to the general fund. <laughs> general fund. Donor specified yeah, funds are fun. Seriously, folks, but... thanks for all your generosity with all of that. Yeah. And uh, be on the lookout for more little fundraisers just like that. Uh, I it, really... is, it is fascinating to see our parishioners step up so quickly and generously for these things. Because, you know, like going through COVID and watching – just because not enough people were in the church, you see that offertory numbers drop and you make all the cuts that you can possibly make to be to have financial responsibility to the parish because we live by the donations, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so within that within that context, you know, so many things you want to do, you can't do because you don't have the money. But then all of a sudden, like just the spontaneous generosity is happening and uh, especially around liturgy and and just kind of the the sacred objects that that belong in churches and sanctuaries and stuff bells and all sorts of things are just kind of coming out and people are just like I'll do that I'll donate that I'll I'll be a part of that and it's awesome it makes my my cynical little heart uh a little happier a little happier yes there I like are the grinch and my heart's growing three times bigger and it was very small to begin with so it's going to take a few more iterations for it to get to regular human size but the bells <laughs> in the back of the mat of the church Ding. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's a, I that's grew a- up with that. I grew up with that. So when I heard that someone was like, I grew up with that, I want that to happen. And it was like, oh, we can just we can do that. Okay, that's awesome. I grew so. up with a lot of liturgical dance. Can I donate to make that happen, Mike? Yeah, well, it'll, it'll, we'll call it religious dance or devotional dance or Devo, and we will only dance to the 80s band Devo. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but outside the liturgy. Man, you're older. Your references are older than like my references than my... is right where the people who grew up listening to the performers on the Super Bowl halftime show when we were in our prime, high school and college. Yeah, though. Yeah. Okay, we, we could get into that conversation too, but I don't want to because there's a lot to dive into. I liked the halftime show. I liked the Super Bowl. I like Matt good. Stafford. Good for him. Yeah, I, I was going for the Bengals. Sad day. Sad day. Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. He was just happy to be out of the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. um, as they say. But um, <laughs> okay, Mike, yeah. we have a podcast here. We have a topic to talk about. Lent is coming. Lent is coming. We're recording this about uh, nine days before Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, so we have a little bit of a runway here to pl- you know plan out our Lent, make this Lent for each for us to on this podcast, and then everyone listening at the parish um, make this Lent one that is you know we grow in holiness during. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Lent in general, what the season uh, is all about. How can you? Uh, I keep on I'm thinking like take advantage of it. That's not the r- the right word, but use use the season yeah. to become a, a better man, a better woman, a better saint. So, Mike, what do you know about the origins of Lent? Why why do we have it? Is it a Catholic thing or is it a Christian in general thing? The Texas thing. What's going on here? <laughs> it's only in Texas. Yeah. No. So when you think about the practice of Lent, um, you have to remember our Lord fasting for 40 days in the desert you got to remember the israelites 40 years in the desert wanderings so these things tell us something that finding god in the wilderness in the desert is a good thing um god is always found in the desert he might not always be found in your pleasures in your comfort zone all that stuff 
But when we are in moments of suffering, of deprivation, I think because of our modern consumer culture, suffering is the great evil. Un discomfort is the great evil. I don't know when in America we did this, but we took out the word pursuit of happiness and replaced it with the word comfort. Mm -hmm. And this is the culture that we have as a result of this. So we need to be men and women who are capable of doing difficult things with great joy and great love. Not for discipline's sake, but we discipline ourselves for the sake of holiness, just like you said. So Lent starts with this idea of 40 days as a time of purification and preparation. Christ went and received his baptism by John and then went out for 40 days and 40 nights into the desert. And at the end of that time, he was tempted, right? So I love Matthew's gospel. It says, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was hungry. And afterwards, he was hungry, yeah. <laughs> And then you have the three satanic temptations, which, as the great venerable Fulton Sheen has pointed out, that each of those temptations are to be understood as temptations away from his mission of the cross. Uh, you know, especially the if you bow down and worship me, all these kingdoms that I have, I'll give to you. Right. And that's what Christ wants. Right. He wants to be the Lord of all nations. He wants to be the king of Jew and Gentile alike, united in the new Israel of God. But it's without the cross. So there is no salvation of souls. So it's almost as if Satan is willing to lose all temporal authority so that souls remain lost forever, right? And so each of these temptations of Christ, you got to realize we're preceded by 40 days and 40 nights of prayer and fasting. So what we need to do, so early on in the church, um, before it was a seasonal practice for the universal church, it was a practice for those becoming Catholic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you could say in a way that Lent came from what we today call the RCIA or soon to be the OCIA. Uh, they changed the name on us in the in the old Vatican. Um, What's the O? O is order. The order of Christian initiation for adults. The right of Christian initiation for adults doesn't actually make sense. It's because, the thing itself. Well, because the there's a bunch of rights. Okay. There's like 15 rights within the right. And uh. so what's the right? Right? Right. So, uh, Ordo. In Latin order, it makes much more sense. So, anywho, the um, the idea was that it's actually called in the the four step process of RCIA, which Jamie Lynn Spears wrote very beautifully about. Do you know who Jamie Lynn Spears yeah, is? Britney Spears's little sister. Yeah, <laughs> she is a she is a devout Roman Catholic. She converted uh, in the middle of a really rough time in her life, and I didn't know any of this. So I went on one day on Twitter. Britney Spears says, "Well, I'm becoming Catholic today." Britney Spears said that. And then all these people are like, what? And then J.D. Flynn, of course, over at the Pillar Catholic, did an investigation. It's like, oh, no, she's making fun of her sister who converted in, like, 2018 or 2017 at a really rough time in her life. So, um, yeah, isn't that funny? And I literally I was, in the, away. I was in Walmart. I was in Walmart, and I saw the book, and I go, I wonder if she writes about this. And I go to the table of contents, and there was a chapter title that I thought, oh, maybe this has something to do with it. And I opened the book, and I wasn't anywhere near that chapter, but I literally opened it up, and it said, my decision to become Catholic, RCIA, and it was just the page I opened right to. So I read the <laughs> couple pages. And she talks about the fourfold process of, of RCIA being um, – the beginning part of pre-catechumenate, then catechumenate, which is the time of study, and then purification and enlightenment, and that's Lent. And then afterwards is mystagogia, education into the mysteries of the church or sacraments. And so the um, purification and enlightenment is what Lent is supposed to be, a time of purifying yourself and a time of enlightenment. So what we do in the RCIA is you shift the tone from study, which is what catechumenate means in Greek. It means uh, a period of intense study. 
So you shift from learning the doctrines and dogmas and the prayers and stuff into praying, into uprooting sin, into prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So the focus totally changes as you begin to prepare yourself spiritually for what God has in store for you on Easter Vigil, the Grand Slam of all Catholic Masses and liturgies. Yeah, wow, a lot to ask more about there. I think uh, for us, just as as regular humdrum Catholics, most of us listening to this podcast are probably already Catholic. We're not going to go through our CIA, or maybe we already have. Um, We've we've done Lent before, so Mm -hmm. I want to talk about like this special... This re- the reason Jesus did the 40 days first. I mean, he wasn't really sharpening his will, was he? I mean, this is in the Christology, and that's always very confusing to us regular people. No, but Jesus prayed. Jesus yes. fasted yes. repeatedly. It would, say, it would say over and over again throughout the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I believe, yeah, throughout all four Gospels, it says that Jesus would retreat away to a lonely place. Right? Like before he had nominated the 12 apostles right, and selected them, he retreats to a lonely place all night in prayer, what we call a vigil. A vigil means to be up all night in prayer the day before. So he does, he keeps vigil all night long. Then he comes out and he calls the 12. First Peter, last Judas, all the other people in between. In uh, in John chapter six, right before the great discourse on the Eucharist, Jesus uh, does the feeding of the multitudes where he turns bread into, or he feeds, multiplies the loaves. And then they come to make him a bread king, right? They come to make him king, and it says that he retreated immediately into a lonely place after telling his apostles to go across the water. Um, This is very important for us to understand because Lent needs to be us retreating into a lonely place. It means for us to pull back and away from the normal noise and the workaday world. If we don't pull back, and it's awesome that it's seasonal, there's so much brilliance in the liturgical calendar, but Lent needs to be a time where it's not you trying to prove how cool you are with your willpower, and it's not a Catholic version of a New Year's resolution, like, I'm going to do this, this year. I'm going to do jazzercise every day. I'm gonna do. It is a time of purification. Okay, what sins am I attached to? What created goods, though not sinful, am I attached to? How do I begin to uproot and move and change my life so that I can really focus on God? When I was in college, the leading Christian on the floor, he was very involved at the like the campus uh, Christian thing. Christian Challenge is what it was called. Oh, okay. But, I was going to say Campus Crusade for Christ? Yeah, no, and... Um, he knew I was Catholic, and I was giving up something lame for Lent, probably chocolate or something like that. And we had a really brief conversation about it, and I think he was like a senior, so I was a, I was still 19. I wasn't nearing the prime of my athletic career that mm, I am now. Yeah. Um, anyway, he asked me you about it. You were just it. beginning your froth career. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and exhausted by all that throwing. Um, but basically, I asked about it. I said I was giving up chocolate because I was eating too much chocolate. Maybe it was sugar in general. I was giving up sugar. And he goes, huh, oh, well, I guess if I see something bad in my life, I generally just take it out no matter the time of year. He was kind of saying that it's kind of silly of us to take out the bad things of our life for 40 days of the year. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't say a word, and for now, like 12 years, <laughs> I've been thinking, golly, I would love to have had that conversation back, because we're yeah. not taking bad things out of our life. You right. should always be yeah. detaching yourself from bad things, but there's a sense in Lent where you're sharpening your willpower by taking out 
even a good thing. Yeah. Uh, something that maybe not not a good thing in the sense of like you're not taking out your scripture study. You're yeah. not you're not sacrificing your, your Bible reading, but you're sacrificing your um, you know, podcasting or your music in the car or uh, something that just requires their willpower. And correct me if I'm wrong here. There's a sense where you're just doing it to strengthen that strengthen that muscle. Mm-hmm. You just need to get better at saying no to things so that things that bring you pleasure so that you can say no to those things yeah. that are actually wrong. Yeah. So if you can learn to fast, what fasting does is it cultivates the ability to say no to good and necessary things. And here's the deal. When you give up food, the point is to be hungry. Say that again. When you give up food, the point is to be hungry. Mm-hmm. People tend to not realize that. They're like, yeah, I, you know, I'm fasting and I'm eating those two small meals and it's, you know, don't add up to shake. one. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, good. Do what you have to do medically. Everyone listening who's about to write us an email, well, medically, I have to eat. Okay. That, again, the church has already made all those disclaimers. But I'm talking the idea for fasting is to be hungry. And to still control yourself in the midst of that. It's about kind of conquering new territory in your own life for willpower, for putting yourself under the, the you, you put yourself into a position of deprivation, not danger, okay, but deprivation so that you learn self-control. St. Paul mentioned self-control as one of the fruits of the spirit, that you learn this virtue and develop this virtue because as Winston Churchill said, your yes is only as good as your no, right? Your yes is only as good as your no. So we need to cultivate ourselves and the discipline of our habits to say no. The other thing is it reprioritizes the good things in our life. I like Dr. Pepper. You drink a lot of Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper isn't as good anymore, right? Whenever you, nothing exceeds like excess, right? There's Once you have too much of a good thing, you actually lose sight of the goodness of that thing. No one loves a Dr. Pepper more than on day 41 when you're drinking that sweet, Mm. sweet, here is to the risen Lord, Mm -hmm. right? And you drink that thing or you eat that food that you gave up. It becomes this beautiful expression of like, it's funny, I gave this thing up and now I have it back even better. But the other thing about Lent that is good. Okay, so going back to that, um, well, I guess when I see something bad in my life, I give it up right now. That is, of course, what we should always have. But let's be honest. Sometimes we have things that like like compromises that we make with ourselves, whatever, for whatever reason. Let's say something horrible happens in our life and we cope by being a little lighter on ourselves than maybe we otherwise would. Maybe we indulge in alcohol a little bit more than we otherwise would. Well, there comes this season where we get caught up in this that we don't really even know how bad it's gotten. We just get in a rut. Everyone gets in a rut, Right. And we get in these ruts oftentimes when the weather is cold and the sun ain't shining and you got that seasonal affectivity disorder and all that stuff going on. You and I, we, you feel more down in the dumps. Things move slower in wintertime and kind of like right in the beginning as we begin to shift to spring, the church calls us to begin to hold ourselves to a greater account. Examine your life. Go make a confession. Go repent. Always, always. And it becomes this thing because who I am this Lent is not who I was last Lent. And maybe there's something that the Lord's calling me to. The other thing is we're not always, so we fast so that we feel hungry so we can build up our our ability to say no to then when overwhelming sin attacks us, we have the confidence and strength to say no. You know, St. Teresa of Avila said, 
It is one thing to oppose Satan at the gate to our yard. It is another thing to try to cast him out from the bedroom, mm. right? So the idea of the interior of your house having to drive Satan out, you know, the temptation, the whatever, all the way out, as opposed to like, no, and then walking away, changing the subject, moving on. There are so many habits of mind that we build up that we don't, that we need things like everyone is going to do the same thing. We're going to put this as a priority of intensity. And see, that's the thing that people realize. You ever heard of 75 hard? You ever heard of that? Uh, maybe from you at one point. I don't know what it is, though. So it's a secular thing, but it's like an extremely difficult thing to do for 75 days. It's like Exodus 90. Yeah. But it's like you have to exercise for two hours a day, and one of those has to be outside no matter rain, shine, snow, whatever. You have to, like, read for an hour a day. It's It's meant to be like a mental and physical thing. But the guy that came up with it, I don't even know his name, his whole point was – we're going to do this really difficult thing, but you can't sustain this for the rest of your life. You can only do it for like 30 days, 40 days. So the goal is with community, you can do it for 75, right? And so the within the church now, we have Lent, which is a period of 40 days. We have um, in the Eastern church, they have Great Lent, which is a lot more intense than what we do in the Western church. Um, like there are days where they can't have dairy there are days when they can't have food cooked in oil. And you can imagine for the Greek Orthodox how Ooh, difficult that yeah, would be, that. being Greek. and like, But I'm surrounded by olive oil, right? Uh, um, so you have all these things. In the in the Latin church, we used to have this thing called pre-Lent, which is actually going on right now. It's the three weeks leading up to Lent to prepare you for Lent. So they start adopting some of the liturgical stuff for Lent without adopting the asceticisms for Lent. And so it prepares the people to be like, okay, Lent is coming I need to begin to enter into this. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're doing something right now called uh, Exodus 90. I am. I am. Um, and that is Lent for 90 days. There's all kinds of things you can talk about going into it. But one of those things, one of the things that I find when I do stuff like Exodus 90 or give something up for Lent is this fear of um, boredom, of like, what mm. am I going to do, especially with Exodus 90? There's no TV, no screens, no nothing. Yeah. So for I, entertainment, yeah. For entertainment, yeah. So there's this sense of like being 8 p.m. at at your house, and you're like, okay, I've, I'm done with it. I've cleaned the dishes. I've cooked my dinner. Now I've got. Do I just go to bed? I don't want to read. My head's exhausted, and this fear that you're just mm-hmm. going to be like, what do I do now? I. It, mm-hmm. So speaking to that, like, is that something that we as Christians need to attack? That like this idea that we have to be entertained all the time. There's got to be a podcast in our ear or a you know, uh, fun. You got to be watching, um, bull on CBS every single night. Uh, <laughs> is that just my wife? I don't yeah, know, but yeah. no, it is just your wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. She alone sustains that show. Um, okay. So Exodus and 90 has a whole bunch of disciplines and a whole bunch. So yeah, disciplines. And within the disciplines, there's asceticisms, things you deny. And then there are practices that you adopt. So daily prayer, reading, blah, blah, blah. That's adopting, exercise, whatever that's adopting. But then for the asceticisms are things like cold showers or, or basically non-indulgent showers. Like when I usually turn on the hot water, all of a sudden I'm like daydreaming, right? You ever daydream in the shower? Of course. Of course. Right. Once I, I like have debates in my head. I don't know what you do in your head, but in my head, I constantly debate 
people things. My acoustics are great, so I just sing. <laughs> just sing Devo. Yeah. Uh, so within Exodus 90, like you get rid of all sugar, all snacking, all this, all that. So what I wanted to do was make it a little bit more liturgical. And I've done Exodus 90 for the last three years with a great group of guys, some of whom are, are parishioners, some aren't. And what we do is um, so we've done that for 90 days, and it's like Lent. So you start in January, you end at Easter alongside Lent. The gospel reflections, 20 minutes minimum to an hour of daily uh, mental prayer, all this stuff. What I'm doing right now is a modified form of that. It's my own little homegrown thing where I basically, we're doing the Exodus 90 stuff, but it's me and my wife instead of a group of men. It's me and my wife doing it with a, a buddy and his wife, um, Joey and Angie Muckenthaler, who's over at um, you know Deacon Baldy. So mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're doing the practices, and what you find is week one and week two, you, you get all these spiritual benefits. You find hours of the day that you had lost to mindless screen swiping and stuff. Then week three, everything stinks and you want to cheat like crazy and compromise all the time because it's boring. Week five, you push through the boredom and it just becomes the default life. And this is the thing that I learned about ascetical practices and disciplines, especially when you do it in community, is you realize your defaults are actually what is killing you, right? It's like death by a thousand cuts. So what happens is my default is I come home, I'm, I'm running on fumes from work, but I got to have get the kids ready for dinner, do dinner, clean up after dinner, kids are going nuts, then I need to come up with, you know, I read to my kids, I do that pretty, pretty adamantly now. Um, I have set things that we do, and then we put the kids to bed, which is can be anywhere from a very peaceful event to, you know, a four alarm fire kind of thing. And then me and my wife have our time together. During the pre-Exodus 90 time, that time was, let's watch a movie. Let's watch TV. Let's turn on. Let's watch a YouTube channel. Let's zone out, right? And this is a thing that lowly coordinator of liturgy, Brian Jones, and I, there's this philosopher, half Korean, half German. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Byun Chol Han, I think is it. And he's Catholic. He's awesome. He's incredibly insightful. He's difficult to read, though. He's very dense. Um, in a good way, but he, he has this phrase where he talks about that in our modern culture, we go from hyperactivity to hyper passivity. And I realized like, that's exactly what the majority of Americans do. Now we do all these things at work. We're just run, 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 go, 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 go. We burn ourselves out and then we collapse in a chair and we consume Netflix. What's the next show? What's the next show? Yellowstone. I, oh man, everyone, all my friends are on season 15. I got to catch up tonight. And so that becomes a dangerous trend, and it's the defaults. The resetting of your defaults actually radically clears up a lot of potentially problematic things down the line. So I pull back from just the just doing the practices. Within the first four weeks, you know, started losing weight. Whoopsie, didn't even really didn't even mean to do that, but it's like, hey, here's you know all these things you can't eat, so just save it for the meals. But then on Sundays, we feast. We fast, my family fasts on Wednesday and Friday, but on Sundays we feast. And whether that's getting donuts at church or that's, um, we usually do a big party. That's in our house. Uh, I grew up drinking soda all the time. So in my house, our kids don't, except on Sundays. Yeah, that's so the that, you know, soda pop day. Yeah, it's the soda pop day. So, you know, we do all sorts of like ice cream. Last night I made my kids ice cream, gave them bowls of ice cream. We watched uh, some funny videos on YouTube, and then we prayed together and sent them to bed. Um, So it's stuff like that that what we do is we reprioritize our defaults. So you will be bored. You will be bored. 
You absolutely will because you're used to passively consuming. A buddy of mine was reading a book on a phone and the person sitting next to him was reading a book, book, like a real book, like a dead tree book. Mm -hmm. And uh, as they were doing that, the they were arguing. She said, what's the difference between me being on this phone and you being on that book? And he said, the, I'm acting on the book. Your phone, with all of its notifications, is acting on you. Right. And yeah. we have to realize that. You you check emails if one comes up or a text mm -hmm. or a call or something. Oh, I got a notification. Mm -hmm. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that hyper, what was the first one? Hyperactivity. Hyperactivity. Yeah. Is is wildly prevalent. So maybe that is even something to retreat from during Lent. Both the hyperpassivity and the yeah. hyperactivity. It's checking, all, to checking me. Checking emails at lunch or, or on yeah. the drive to work or something like that. Uh, all things to fast from that maybe you can keep as a fast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're a type of person who gets on the bus here up in the woodlands and goes downtown, most people have their laptops out or their iPhones out, and they're checking, and there's like eight of them on Android phones, and they're checking their mail as they, I hate Android, as they go to downtown to work. Don't do that. For the season of Lent, don't do that. Bring a book. Bring Newspaper. A bring a spiritual book. Bring a book that you can read that takes you deeper into your faith. So maybe you have to tap into C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity in order to reground yourself in the church's teachings. Or maybe you want to get a book on the Eucharist or on the liturgy or on um, the Trinity or Christology. Or you just want to read the catechism or read the Bible. These are all excellent things instead of, and this is the hard part, selling your soul to the hyperactive consumer world. I tell this to the teenagers all the time. I just did a little thing yesterday for the high school students on hyperactivity and hyperpassivity. And I just said to them, what, you know, you guys, young people are known for caring about quote unquote social justice. And I say care, I should have said quote unquote caring about quote unquote social justice. And I said, there's nothing more revolutionary than refusing to shop, to buy, to sell on Sunday. Make that a holy day. Give people who work at fast food restaurants the ability to go home. Right? Like, wouldn't that be wonderful if we didn't make every gas station required to be open on Sunday? But I like to get brunch. Neat. For now on, you're going to make brunch at home. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? Guess what? Now, seasonal Lent, try it. That brings up another good insight you had of that liturgical living, the genius of the church to have Lent at this this time yep. of year. Um, and so we enter into it once a year, but Lent comes every Friday in a sense. You know, you could live out these practices um, throughout the year weekly by doing a little fast on Friday. You know, mm -hmm. We're supposed to... Um, supposed to do something on Friday if you're not going to give up meat. Uh, our bishops have asked us to take on another spiritual practice if, yeah. if you are going another, to have meat. Another sacrifice that is akin to giving up meat. I think that was, I agree with Bishop Barron, that was one of the worst things that came out of the church after Vatican II because it was one thing that united every Roman Catholic in the world. We all gave up meat, right? We all did. It was a thing. G.K. Chesterton, in his priest detective novels, Father Brown, in the Church of Rome, uh, he found the villain because the villain was disguised as a priest but ordered a pastrami sandwich uh, on a Friday. <laughs> so he's like, aha, oh, you're faking no way. it. No priest would eat meat on Friday. I was in Houston with some friends a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this this gal asked for something like uh, vegan, the vegan sauce or something like that. And um, 
I asked her, oh my gosh, are you Catholic? And and she looked at me like I was insane. She's like, no, I'm vegan. And um, I was like, oh, oh, I forgot that that exists too. <laughs> um, but, uh, that is hilarious. <laughs> But you can do this. I mean, yes. there's just a genius to having a season. So so fasting on Fridays and then, like you said, on Sunday, feast in some sense. Don't indulge in the sins that you're trying yeah. to get away from. But even during <laughs> well, Lent. Time to murder. It's <laughs> yeah, a Sunday. Right. Even even during Lent and maybe to a lesser extent. But do do have a half a soda pop or a, a donut or something. Something that brings joy that can be shared. Yeah, that's great. Right. With your family, if you yeah. have one, and, and find a family. If you don't, just come into my house. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you where I live, but if you know where I live, come on over. <laughs> um, all right. Beautiful. Mike, thanks for your insights. Let's talk about uh, some a few practical things mm-hmm. before talking about what's going on at St. Anthony's. Let's just make some suggestions. I think, I think number one suggestion for every single person listening is limit screen time, whether that's TV, phones, computers. Yeah. Find a way to limit it um, mm-hmm. during Lent. So... Watching TV at the end of a long day, maybe cutting back on that, maybe deleting all those apps, your your top four apps that you happen to scroll through that aren't Gmail. I mean, even Gmail, if if you need it for if you, I don't know, Gmail, the Outlook and the the mm. Slack and everything that you're so connected to your job, it's like, is it necessary to have it on your phone or can you yeah. sit down and open your laptop when you need to do that stuff? And otherwise, you don't have it. What I'm trying to say is limit screen time. Yeah, I would say cancel completely all your social media everything for the month of for the season of lent everything so facebook twitter instagram commenting on youtube if you're one of those people god you probably need to go to confession i was about to say god help you um the other social media consuming tiktok videos tiktok is meaningless if if that's you if this is you if you're a person who cannot help but go to facebook as your fr- hey i have an original thought to facebook i go don't do that give up all social media and delete the apps from your phone if you want to restore them on your phone after lent you're the one who's doing that to yourself it's a terrible idea but whatever go do that um but during lent zero social media i don't think anyone has any need to be on social media during lent for any reason whatsoever. But then on top of that, like you're limiting screen time. Um, I mean, let's be honest, the great resignation is real. People are reprioritizing their work. And if you constantly feel like you're always on email, you need to break that habit. Especially if you're if you're, you know, married and have kids and stuff like that. Um, the next thing I would say is look at alms, giving alms. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. We talk a lot about prayer. We talk a lot about fasting. Yeah. We, we should do more of both of those things. But we don't yeah. talk a lot about almsgiving as one of those three pillars. Yeah, give your money away means this world does not own me, right? Because money is the primary influencer in this world. It's the thing by which, the love of which, St. Paul says, is the root of all evil. Uh, love of money. Not money, but love of money. And we need to make sure we never fall in love with money. You know, one of the things that annoys me about parish work is when people say things like, I give a lot of money, therefore do this thing. And you're like, no, like I want to go out of my way to say no to people who say that to me because it shows that you're trying to buy the church and simony is condemned. If you don't know what simony is, please look that up. Simon, why? Uh, There's a great fear. Now, what we want to do is we want people buying into the mission of the church. Right, We don't want people to buy the church and buy the church's mission, but buy into it. So loving the poor, serving the poor, right? our food pantry, St. Vincent de Paul, 
right? Give to these things. Every penny that St. Vincent de Paul gets goes directly to person in need. Zero percent overhead over there. Zero. Like, there is no other poor ministry that does stuff like this. We, It's all volunteers. They have a, a phone and a voicemail and an email address maybe, and that's it. And they work and do everything as volunteers. It is one of the greatest social welfare outreach things that we have for our neighbors. And here's the deal: every single person is in our area code. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you want to know more about St. Vincent de Paul, check out our last podcast That's on them. Right. I think Jay is making a finishing up a video too that we're gonna yeah, oh, dive into that. So find out more about that ministry. And if you go to ap.church and go to the top right corner, it'll say donate. And if you scroll through that page, there's gonna be all kinds of opportunities yeah. to give to our parish. We both work for the parish. I think giving to your local parish is a very good thing, um, yeah. not just because I work here, but because I think that's a practice every Christian should be in. Yeah. Uh, and then there's all kinds of other, the, like, like the St. Vincent de Paul uh, or our food pantry or those specific ministries. But I'm also an advocate for donations of any kind. If yeah. it's the women's shelter, Montgomery, Montgomery, Montgomery. Can't say it. County, Can't say it. Montgomery County Women's Shelter, yeah. staffed by so many of our parishioners. It is... It does incredible work. It it honestly, truly does. I love it. I always go to um, their donation center over by uh, Sam's Club and drop off my stuff. It's the only place we go because they, they just have such a beautiful yeah. mission. So it's, it's a great yeah. encouragement to find something that you, you know, that you have to make a sacrificial gift to. Mm-hmm. Man, a sacrificial. I can't even sacrificial. say. Sacrificial. It's very, it's, it's sacrilicious. Instead of going to... <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college, I grew out a mustache during the month of Lent oh. at a handlebar. I called it my Linton stash-rifice. It was uh, very nice. I also saved all my belly button lint and put I it in a I want this conversation jar. to be done right now. Okay. This conversation is over. <laughs> Back to almsgiving. Make a, a sacrificial <laughs> gift. Do do a gift instead of doing something else. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. Of going to, what, do you, what do you do for prayer that's new? What, what, like, are, are you, have you, like, do you do the breviary or the Liturgy of the Hours? Do you do more rosaries? What, what's your thing? My thing lately, in the last year, has been morning prayer, every mm-hmm. single morning. Isn't it awesome? It is a really nice way to start the day. Ask, if you haven't done it, it's uh, uh, the breviary, it's the prayer of the church. Every priest, religious person uh, dives into the breviary and the morning prayer. It's three psalms. It's a reading, it's a bunch of intentions, um, and it's universal. The entire yeah. church prays the exact same prayer. And it's funny, you get into it and you're like, what should I be getting out of this? My brother, who's a priest, described it as, it's, it, you just reinforced, you're not, getting, you're not necessarily getting anything out of it. You're praying with the church, you're setting aside your whole day by spending mm. 15 minutes in prayer with mm. the church. And now a year later, all those psalms are very familiar to me. Yeah. I know I kind of feel the next line coming, and you know I don't I don't have them memorized, but you know the sense of each psalm. It's it's been beautiful. I yeah. recommend it. I love morning prayer. I love it. I can't develop. It just doesn't stick because my evenings and nights are so wildly different that doing evening prayer and night prayer regularly is not a thing for me. But morning prayer is a thing for me. I get up early so that I can do it. But um, I would encourage people if you don't pray a rosary to pray a rosary. If you don't. Maybe pick up an extra liturgy throughout the week if you can do that. Some daily mass here or there. Saturday, first Saturdays, do stuff like that. We have beautiful first Saturday devotion here at our parish. Um, But also go to confession, not just at the penance service, but begin to develop a maybe once every three months, something like that habit, especially if you're not aware of mortal sin. If you're aware of mortal sin, go to confession often, as often as you need it. 
right? Do that. But if you're not aware of mortal sin, you're examining your conscience, you're making progress, then maybe go every three months. I know some saints say go every month, go every week, whatever. I don't think the average parishioner should do that. I think you should set up a confessor if you're going to do it with a bit more intensity than that. But if you're if you are aware again, if you're aware of mortal sin, go to confession. Father Jesse always reminds us that every time you go to mass and you say the confiteor, all your sins are forgiven. All those venial sins. If you make the sign of the cross with holy water devoutly, all your sins are forgiven. If you make a good act of contrition, all those venial sins are forgiven. Yeah. Now, it's still important, even if you think you look back on the last three months, you haven't done a mortal sin. First of all, congratulations. <laughs> Second of all, it's still Welcome important. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been here for years. <laughs> still important to go to confession. Yeah, uh, always. Just to get those correction from the priest and to force yourself to make a really good act of, or uh, what's the word when you think back on your sins? Uh, reflecting, uh, reflecting, examination of Examination of conscience. Of conscience. Make that really good one. So. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few coming up, a service coming up here we'll talk about later, but... Um, what else, Mike? What are some other good practices we can get into this Lent? Uh, we have to become a people of sacred scripture. We have to. So I would encourage you all to figure out a way. Now, Liturgy of the Hours is an excellent way to pray the Psalms and to do readings, maybe pray the daily readings. I know Father Jesse and Father David were really big on people getting going out and buying the Daily Roman Missal or those um, other books like the St. Joseph's Missal. There's a lot of missiles, M-I-S-S-A-L, that are out there to help you know the readings, either the daily or the weekly or whatever. Um, I would encourage that. Um, get a Lenten study going. There's tons of online journals. Uh, Ascension Press produces one. Bishop Robert Barron produces one that are awesome Lenten companions. Don't let – we got two weeks. Don't let Lent sneak up on you right? Let's do this, right? I guess maybe we'll have one week when <laughs> by the time this podcast week, yeah. comes out. But, uh, oh, it's already sneaking up on you. But get them, get them. Uh, we have, add things to your life that are intentional and are churchy, spiritual stuff. Don't just add more productivity. Don't just add more discipline for discipline's sake. Don't just focus on your physical health. Focus on your spiritual health. And let's go from there. Yeah, for one person, you might need to add a daily rosary. For another, you might need to add 15 minutes of silent prayer yep. where you're not con you know, completing a rosary. Check, 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 check. Got it done. Maybe it's just silent prayer where you're not, there's no ambition, no goal. Um, okay, so uh, like we said, about a week left. This uh, Ash Wednesday is the first Wednesday of March. On that day, we have tons of services, a few yep. masses, a few liturgy of the word. So come to St. Anthony's to get your ashes. Go to ap.church slash events to find out all of our service times. Mike, are you, are you uh, distributing ashes this year? I signed up for the 11 a.m. liturgy of the word. I think I've got one of those morning times too. So i got a big old thumb. No, now you've bring. done it. The 11 a.m. liturgy of the word is going to be packed. The <laughs> Michael Gormley fan club. You know, we have such a funny culture today when it comes to these things. Like, I was reading a Code of Canon Law thing. This is a random tangent. Uh, but the, this person said, is it okay to leave your home parish and go to, like, a shrine or something like that to have your child baptized? And it feels like destination baptisms, right? And that's really funny. This woman had a history with the Divine Mercy Shrine up, up in uh, upstate New York. And so the, she did it there instead of at her home parish. And her friend who wrote the letter felt really uncomfortable at that notion. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny 
if we had this whole like <laughs> Catholic culture where it's like, I'm going to go to that celebrity for my, you know, I'm going to ask them to be my sponsor. So it's like, dear Dr. Han, will you be my confirmation sponsor? And you, <laughs> it turns into this, who is going to ash me? Oh, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer Brian Jones said no one ever. Yeah. So Ash Wednesday starts and then Fridays of Lent, um, a great tradition of Stations of the Cross and the fish fries. The Knights of Columbus yep. do a great fish fry. So um, every single Friday at 5, I said every single Friday, but I don't know, ap.church.events, check that out. <laughs> uh, 5 p.m. here, there's going to be a fish fry, and then at 7, the Stations of the Cross are going to be celebrated, and then at 8 for the Spanish Stations. So again, an incredible Lenten practice to get into that habit of just walking the Passion of the Christ every week. Bring your family. It's amazing. Um a community reconciliation service Wednesday, March 9th, six to nine. Be here, come come early. Um, it'll be, yeah, come early. It'll be Don't be line. one of those people who's like, I'm gonna come at eight forty five and bypass all the lines because you know what we do? When we see low lines, we start sending the priests home. Yeah. So don't be that guy. And then twenty people show up for one. There's like two priests left. It's twenty people now in line, and it's eleven thirty. By and the time, and it'll be Father David left, and he'll do a twenty minute confession for each one. So uh, <laughs> be careful. Um, and the Lenten mission, the first yep. Sunday of Lent, March sixth, uh, a Lenten mission after the six p.m. mass. Father Jesse will be giving that, um, and then the next day will be uh, one in Spanish. So we're bringing in Father Robert Guerra, Father Robert, uh, <laughs> and he's coming seven to eight on Monday. Uh, yeah. That first Monday of Lent. So all kinds of things going on. Vocations group, Mariopolis, celebration of gratitude this weekend. So um, lots of things happening in the church. AP.church slash events is your home for all of that stuff. So, Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Go hard this Lent, people. Yeah. Go big or go home. Go big or go home.